Women of Color STEM Conference presents, Can You Hear Me Out There? The Power of Public Speaking, a professional development seminar. Featuring Director of the U.S. Army Combat Capabilities Development Command, Juanita Christensen. Project Manager for NetApp Incorporated, Tamika Whiteside. And CEO of Sarsons LLC, Shauna Sarson. A confident speaker, regardless of title or position, will have a competitive edge over just about anyone. Cultivating the ability to communicate, choose your words carefully, and engage people is the best investment you could ever make. This seminar will help attendees to understand the principles of active listening and how to apply them to ensure that we collect the information needed in order to attain success. Learn how to take the lead and motivate the masses by expressing your message with passion and inspiration. Without further ado, the Women of Color STEM Conference presents, Can You Hear Me Out There? The Power of Public Speaking, a professional development seminar featuring Juanita Christensen, Tamika Whiteside, and Shauna Sarson. Good afternoon. Thank you for joining us for this seminar. Can you hear me out there? The power of public speaking. I am Shauna and I have the privilege of being on this panel this afternoon with um, Ms. Tanika Whiteside and Ms. Juanita Christensen. Before um, I allow them to introduce themselves, I want to give you some housekeeping notes. Um, this seminar is being recorded, so we ask that um, should you have a question that you step to the microphone, you give us your name, and then you ask your question so that they can capture your words. Um, we encourage you to sit at the front. I know some people like to sit at the back. Um, have your badges um, scanned when you enter the session so that you, you're, you can um, be counted towards your CEU PDH credits. Um, Morgan is out in the hallway. Um, please remember to complete your seminar surveys and please know that the PowerPoint slides will be posted after the conference and can be viewed at www.slideshare.net slash ccg.mag. If you forget that, just go to the Women of Color site and you can get the slides. Um, stay in touch with the Women of Color Conference by downloading the Women of Color app uh, available under Career Communications Group in the iPhone App Store or Google Play Store and follow, um, oh yeah, follow at Women of Color Technology on Twitter. Follow me on Twitter too, shoot, at Sarsen Shauna. <laughs> um, and that is that. And so um, we don't have an official moderator, but we're good. So I'm gonna moderate for us here. I am Shauna. Some of you have seen me in other, other uh, presentations. So thank you for coming to join again. Um, and I'm just Shauna, that's enough about me. So I wanna turn it over to my fellow panel members here, Ms. Juanita Christensen. Good afternoon, everyone. Good afternoon, it's few of us, but we're still here in numbers. So looking forward to sharing with you all this, this very important topic. I'm uh, Juanita Christensen, I work for the Army. I am an Army civilian employee and one of their senior leaders. So um, it was very important for me to participate in, in this particular topic because I think it is something that we as women sometimes may feel is a challenge to us, but it is something that we can overcome. So I work uh, in the Huntsville 
uh, Alabama area. All right, good job. Okay, so not a stranger here, but um, it's a pleasure to be in this form with you all this morning. Uh, I wanted to give you a little bit of background on, on myself as far as some of the forms that I've spoken in, because it, it does take time to become comfortable with speaking in front of people. So I've, I've spoken in front of women's groups, K through 12, community leadership forums, college recruitment uh, sessions, technical forums, uh, mentoring and leadership uh, forums, um, graduation programs, uh, senior leadership forums at the Army and DOD level, and then of course your normal public media forums. But a little bit about me from a fun fact, I am recently remarried as of uh, last year, so uh, recently, so just over a year, so I'm Christensen now. Uh, the second fun fact for me is I have three young children, or older children, that are out of my home, and that is a true advantage. Um, <laughs> I'm just going to tell you. And um, the, the main priorities of my life in, in order of uh, preference and, and my priorities really are my faith, my family, and mentorship, because I believe mentorship is very important for us to do one, to an, one for another. So, thank you. Good afternoon, everyone. I'm Tamika Whiteside. I am a program manager at NetApp. I specifically work within digital support operations where we are cultivating information for our customers. And I'm sorry, please bear with me. I came from North Carolina from 95 degrees to this weather. So I've got this little voice thing going on. But um, so I've worked within that arena and what we're doing is we are trying to empower our customers so that they can work through some of their situations without having to do so many escalations to our technical support engineers. And with that, we're continuously expanding, expanding, and the opportunities come often to expand to where we get stretched more and more and more. For me, with this public speaking, this started very, very early for me when my mother would not cooperate when I asked her in the pediatrician's office to go ask a boy what his name was for me. <laughs> she said, no, you can go ask yourself. I said, no, mama. You have to understand that I have 30 plus first cousins and I'm the youngest. So I'm used to people always speaking for me, but my mother didn't allow that. And I'm thankful for that because at this point in life, I have a, a 30-year-old daughter serving in the military. And as an officer, it's important for her to have a voice. So I had to exemplify that to her that she has to have a voice. So not only that, that I'm asking for you all to bear with me with this throat thing, she actually left today for her fourth deployment. So I'm a little emotional right now. But this is a topic that's very near and dear to me because I think as women, a lot of times we pull back we're very quiet and we want to sink into the chair, especially when we're in a room full of people who don't look like us, don't sound like us, and the whole nine. And what we want to do today, the three of us, we have collaborated and we're excited. We want to make sure that everybody that walks out of the door today feels more empowered than you did when you walked in the door. Thank you. So with that, I'm going to be smarter than the technology first. 
um, go over the overview. So we're going to talk about the elements of speech, the power and the persuasion of speech in your words, attitude and altitude, using your executive voice. Then we're going to do a microphone check, one, two, one, two, and then do you hear me now and closing it out. So moving on to the first um, slide here in our presentation is the elements of speaking. And one of the things oftentimes when we're speaking, we don't take into consideration that we are speaking based on a reasonable mind standard. And our reasonable mind standard is actually based on our own mind. And oftentimes, sometimes when we're communicating with someone and they're not understanding what we're saying or they're, they're not, you know, especially in our work situations where we're trying to get buy-in and they're not buying it in, oftentimes what you'll see is a person becoming frustrated or flustered. But what we don't realize is their reasonable mind standard is oftentimes it's because they're, it's different from ours. And sometimes we forget to provide one of my friends, um, she's in PR, big time PR, and she says, you have to give the texture. Oftentimes people don't have the texture. And what, what is our texture? What, what laces our texture? Our background, our life experiences, our culture, who we are. And when we go into the workplace, it's very diverse. And we have a bunch of different cultures colliding. We have a bunch of different backgrounds colliding. And I like to use a funny when you talk about the reasonable mind standard. I used to be married. I'm from Louisiana, Shreveport, Louisiana, country girl. I married a guy who grew up in Southeast DC. So when I first got married, you know, I'm a black woman, he's a black man. We both firstborn children. We we're both the oldest children, or the firstborn, because I'm not the oldest. And we were also um, both preacher's kids. So we had a lot in common. So I'm trying to be a good wife, and I'm like, I'm going to make you breakfast. What do you want to eat? And he says, I want fried egg, toast, bacon, and grits. I'm from Louisiana. We, I didn't grow up eating grits. We ate cream of wheat and oatmeal. So I had to read on the back of the box how to make the grits. So people that eat grits, you already know it was not right because, you know, I'm, I'm just following the instructions, if you will. And he asked for a fried egg. So I was like, I only knew at the time two fried eggs. I knew scrambled eggs and sunny side up. So I figured he didn't want the sunny side up, so I opted to do the scramble. The bacon, I was good with the bacon, and I made toast. So I got the little tray. You know, I'm taking him to breakfast, and he's like, what is this? And I was like, it's what you asked for. And he's like, what's wrong with these grits? They were lumpy. And he's like, where's the cheese? I was like, the box didn't say nothing about cheese. Where'd you get cheese? You know, I didn't put butter. I mean, I think I put salt, salt to taste, but um, I don't eat raw salt, so... I, you know, he's like, you know, salt, no, nothing. And he's like, what? I asked for fried egg. I was like, it is fried. So he gets up, my ex-husband can cook. He's a great cook, actually. And he's like, no, oh, Lord. So he um, makes, he takes two eggs. He bursts them in a skillet. And then they're frying. He puts salt and pepper. Then he cracks the yolk and fries. Then he flips it over and he throws some cheese on it. Like this cheese is like blowing my mind at this point. And he throws some cheese on it, and it gets a little crunchy on the edges, and he throws it on the bread, and then he puts the bacon, you know, and then he's got the cheese and the grits. And I said, but you didn't ask for a sandwich. You did not tell me that I was making a sandwich. And I was like, I mean, I guess that's a way to fry an egg. But that's, I say that because based on his reasonable mind and his texture, that was his experience. And then my texture was here. And at the end of the day, we both did we both make a breakfast? Yes. Did we both fry an egg? Yes. Do we both make grits? And now I know I really didn't make grits, but you know, for all intents and purposes, I made grits. But it's a reasonable mind standard. And oftentimes when we're speaking, 
we forget that. And it's definitely important when you're up doing public speaking that you have ways of connecting with your audience so that you can provide that texture so that you can pull your audience in so that they can actually understand what you're saying. And that leads to the clarity and the delivery and connection and also timing. Those of you who've seen me speak, as somebody told me you saw me speak, I, oftentimes I'll make some jokes sometimes, but I can't joke all the time. It's a timing. It's watching the audience to connect to say, okay, well, someone's looking a little lethargic. Let me wake them up. Or also knowing when I have a point that is actually connecting by maintaining contact with the audience. So, so when I think of, of these elements and how critical they really are as you're preparing to give your public presentation, one of the things that really uh, synced home to me was the clarity of your message. Because ideally, yes, you do have the different textures and the different cultural background, but at the end of the day, your message has to be clear. You need to understand the context of what points you're trying to get across, and you have to be prepared to have uh, contextualize those points to a, to a reasonable mindset so that people can understand. And when you use examples, which many of us will do, it is best to make sure that those examples are really appropriate for the message that you're trying to, to convey. So I, I always want to focus on the clarity of the message because that's where you're really going to grab or lose a person, is how clear you are in being able to express your points. And to add to that, if you're going to communicate, you have to be very concise. But when you're concise, you have to also understand who you're talking to, who you're communicating with because the way people receive the information that you're giving them can be very different. So when you know and understand your audience, you have to be in line and in tune with what, they're, what you're trying to communicate and what you believe they're gonna receive from you. And so framing your communication is always key. Yes, definitely. And that, that actually segues us into uh, the, the power and persuasion of in your speaking, um, knowing that we all have natural power. Often, um, as women, we actually believe that we don't have power. But we actually, all of us have natural power, women and men, whatever, orange, black, green, we all have natural power. It's our uniqueness of just being the only us is actually power, actually. And there's power in your speaking and there's power in your words because it's you speaking. And then we often will default to that delegated power, that title, or someone giving us permission, or that position. But if you understand that your natural power is just as powerful as your delegated power, oftentimes your natural power is actually more powerful than your delegated power. But mar marrying those two up and knowing how to marry them up in a way to end up owning and developing your own language of persuasion. You know, understanding that, hey, what, what, is, what are my natural powerful assets in my speaking? I've often talked about mine is that my voice is very commanding, it's very strong, I don't have to yell, um, but I'm actually an introvert naturally. And so as an introvert, I don't really talk, like to talk more than anything. I know it surprises people, but I've mastered speaking actually. I've mastered my voice and I've mastered speaking and owning my words. So I've mastered my natural power with the delegated power of obviously being a speaker on this panel. Um, and mastered the two so that I can exercise the language of persuasion. 
And that's understanding that we do have power, but if we don't use our power, then how are we going to persuade our listener to hear us and to buy into the message that we're giving them? And so we have to, it's a delicate balance and we, we chose this graphic, like weaving it in. It's very, being very colorful, knowing, you know, how much color to use. Um, it's kind of like seasonal food, basically. How much salt, how much pepper to get it, to making sure that it tastes good and it's pleasing to a large palate as opposed to something just being pleasing to you. Absolutely. So when you start talking about natural power, I'm just going to survey the room. How many mothers are in the room? So in that, mothers, we think that we're the queen of the house, regardless, until that baby comes home. That baby has a natural power that will cause us to respond to that power. It's natural. It is innate to that baby. We could be in the middle of anything that we're doing. As soon as we hear, what, what, what's happening? We're responding. But as women, we have to continue to move forward with our natural power. Understand your natural power is not necessarily a title, as Shauna mentioned. It's not your title, but what's natural inside of you. When you are walking in a certain pathway, you have to learn where those natural powers come from. So your natural power has to be expanded. So going from being that infant that can get people to respond based on the cry or the different screams or the different mommies, all of those different things. As women, as we start to move, as we go into our workplaces, we have to use our natural power of voice in order for us to be heard. So as we already said, this session is, can you hear me out there? It's the power of voice. How are you using your voice? Is it commanding? Is it smooth? What's natural for you? And when I look at, um, at the power uh, and persuasion, it's interesting from a natural power perspective, I looked at my own, my own family that I grew up in. I was number seven of eight children. Now, number eight came 10 years behind me. So that meant I was a baby for a long time, right? And, but right ahead of me were four boys. So if I wanted to be heard, I had to really make some racket, right? Because, you know, you're always around boys. I was, I grew up around boys. I was a tomboy, you know? So, and then when I look at my job, I work for an engineering organization underneath the army. We develop all the aviation and missile technologies for the army. That is what we do. So I work around a bunch of what they call rocket scientists, right? So in order to be heard in that environment, I've, I've got to stand up and build on that natural power that I have. But what's interesting is that Shanna indicated that she is an introvert, and I am too. It's interesting because on the Myers-Briggs, I'm actually an E, but I'm barely enough E to make an E, mm. <laughs> barely, because my comfort zone is as an introvert. But in order to be accomplished and to do my job, I have to come out of my comfort zone. I have to be willing to use my voice, that natural powers that, that we have. And I think as we work and look at, especially public speaking, we as women sometimes are more accustomed to being in back seats. 
that's more of our comfort zone. We're, we're helpers, right? But I think we have to own building the natural power of our workforce, of our women that are around us that we can influence. So what I like to do with some of the, the women that I mentor, I like to try to make sure that we are putting them into environments where they can present, but in a what's considered a non-attribution circumstance. Maybe let them present in front of their team before they have to go and present in front of leaders, right? So therefore they become more comfortable in their natural power. And then they develop more of that delegated power that we're giving to them. And one thing additional to that, so in this conversation, and I don't think I mentioned this to you all, I consider myself an intra-extra. <laughs> because it is very compartmentalized. Overall, I pretty much am an introvert, and that's surprising to most people because I'm always talking, I'm always in front of people in some capacity. But I am very contented with being behind the scenes. But I had to understand, and that's why I say I'm an intra-extra, you'll see it in the DSM one day, um, that depending upon the environment that I'm in, it's okay for me to be an introvert. But there are other environments that will demand that I pull those skills of an extrovert out and use them. So I, I want to make sure that as you're listening today, you're examining yourself to determine, are you really an introvert? Because I think sometimes as women, it's a safe space to be considered an introvert, to be quiet and to be to yourself. But are you being an introvert at the appropriate time? so that you can speak up and speak out appropriately. And I think that's part of speaking the language of persuasion, knowing that there's value in being um, either or, knowing that obviously all speaking isn't done actually vocally and owning, you know, speaking, owning all of your ways of speaking, your non-verbs, your gestures, you know, your facial expressions, your tone, but not just that, also the way you speak, the way you present yourself, your brand is also a part of how you speak. Um, I was talking, um, the last panel I was at, I was talking about my scent. Everyone where I work, everywhere I work, people know my scent. And it's, it's it become a signature because I wear the same thing. And people are like, oh, I know when you're here. I know when you're in the building. I know what elevator you rode. You know, like all the security knows me because they're like, oh, we knew she was here. We, we smelled you. And... All of that is a part of me. It's a part of my brand. It's a part of my packaging. And it's very soft because my voice is so strong. So I, you know, I had to marry those things up. And that's also a part of your language, if you will. When you walk into a room and people know that you're there, like I have a signature color that I wear because it's part of my brand. It's part of my language. It's, it's all, all of that is part of your packaging. And we have to realize that we are speaking before we ever open our mouths and owning that and being very much aware of it. Like, you know, your facial expressions. And if you're a person who does like the whole eye rolling thing, you know, in certain cultures, that means one thing in other cultures, it means another thing. And so being cognizant of that, even your nail color, like my nails need to be done right now. And I speak with my hands. And so, but last night I was like, I still got to push these cuticles back. But just knowing that all of that matters because people, people watch all of that and knowing, um, what could actually take away or add to what you're trying to say? You know, when I was in the military, I used to be in the military, and we were only allowed to wear so many rings. Because if you have a lot of stuff on your hands, it can take away from what you're doing. And so I took that, even after I left the military, I'm very conscious of how much, how much you know, accoutrements I have on 
because I want people to hear what I'm saying. And if anything is going to block away from the message that I'm trying to convey or my brand, then I then I remove it. And so I think that's understanding, you know, the language of persuasion. And this takes us right on over to, you know, having that attitude and altitude that you were going to talk about, Juanita. Right. So the, the next topic is really looking at attitude and altitude. And what we've done is we've tried to uh, bring forward to you some concepts that we as women and, and as public speakers, we have to be aware of. You know, you look at perception and reality. There are some people that can come into the room, they could be, to be perfectly honest, we may not even know who they are, but the way that they walk or the way that they turn their head or the way that they move their hands, we sometimes, as women do it, really, we judge them and we say, oh, they must think this about themselves. And we don't even know it. They could be having a bad day, right? But it's the perceptions and reality. So, if, and then when you look at bossy or confident, you know, as women, when we speak up in the boardroom, sometimes it's not seen as the same as when a male counterpart speaks up in the boardroom, you know, and how they are so expressive. For example, they could beat on the table and they're just assertive. You know, we raise a concern or an issue, then it's, oh no, we're, you know, we're that B word, you know. We have to, we have to be, uh, aware of how you are presenting, how your language is coming across. As, as Shauna mentioned, how, what your body language is saying. Are you open to receive feedback? Are you open to draw in your crowd as you're addressing them publicly? Or are you presenting yourself in such a way that you're actually pushing them more away? So a lot of it is how, where are you drawing your strengths from? From an attitude or an altitude perspective. And then when you look at popularity or competence, in my field with where I work, and, and, and I would say that's probably true of all of us. I mean, we're in the STEM environments, right? There is a level of knowledge and competence that is expected. Otherwise, you won't be respected in, in, your, in your, your various disciplines. But are, are we seeking for competence and relaying of facts, relaying of data, are we approaching it from a popularity perspective? You know, we, we talk a lot of times, you, you hear the gesture about, oh, that, that deal was set on the, uh, on the golf course. You know, and that, that's usually not in, including us, right. right? Because we're not on, on the golf course having those discussions. Or, or that idea came up at the, uh, on the back of a napkin at the local bar. Well, I, I don't drink. I'm not in that environment. So those popular tactics are not something that are gonna take, in my opinion, me far at all. So what you have to have is draw on that strength that you do have, which is your competence, right? So that, but you can't be afraid of those popularity contests either, right? It's all about your mindset. It's about coming and being present when you're in a speaking uh, environment. Absolutely. And so when we, we start to struggle sometimes as women when it comes to how do we effectively bring our message across without being the B or being the angry black woman in the room. We're, we're conscious of those things. And in reality, because I know it's been my experience, that if I am sharing my thoughts 
I raise my voice a little bit, then I'm angry. But my counterpart can do the same thing much louder, screaming, cursing, and the whole nine, and they're considered passionate. So we have to think about how we are putting these things out. We have to also have what I call self-restraint. Even though you know you're right, you can't always prove that you're right. Sometimes who you are and your competence will speak for you. So I'll give you a real life example. I was in the office. I presented something to a fairly large group of people. Afterwards, I was in the break room. Someone approached me and said, Tamika, I really enjoyed you today. My response, oh, thank you. You spoke very well. Thank you. No, really, you spoke very well. So my response is now, as opposed to what? Well, and you know all this backpedaling is happening at this point. So you will run into those experiences. I had to keep myself together. I had to keep my face together. I had to keep my tongue together. But there's always a way to be able to share your competence. But as that conversation continued, the person said to me, and I heard something about you. I said, okay, I heard you have two master's degrees. I do. And I'm trying to figure out where this conversation is going. Well, I didn't know that, nor did you ask. So these are the things that we have to bring to the table. I didn't walk in the door with degrees in my arms saying, look what I have, look what I have. But when the opportunity presents itself, you have to show up, you have to be competent, competent, you have to have your voice heard. But when you're having conversations with people, that will also help push you into other arenas. So those conversations, when you're having those private conversations, nothing of a, what you would consider a big deal. But we were talking about schools and then people started to understand the schools that I went to and, and those different things. But that is what will speak volumes. We don't always have to walk in the room screaming, yelling, and demanding. Even though you feel like it sometimes, you don't have to. And those opportunities will present that not only can you speak to whatever the topic is, you also have documentation that will support where you are. Okay. So um, with that, once you um, are in this space, you can actually exercise your executive voice. An executive's voice, meaning, you know, you have to definitely walk your talk. It's one thing, and I'm sure we've all experienced it at some point in time where you've been around someone who talks a good game, but then their actions don't align. And people say that actions speak louder than words. I don't necessarily believe that, but I do believe that they, are, they both speak volumes. And when they don't align, though, the words become void. The actions will, then that's when the actions speak louder than the words. But when the two align, then they're actually very powerful when they, they um, align together. And then recognition and correction, you know, often as women, we don't really have a problem recognizing people. All too often, we allow ourselves to not be recognized because as Tamika said, we become comfortable with taking that back space because that's the space society has tried to design specifically for us. You know, um, me being a Southerner, my grandmother used to say, be seen and not heard. Get somewhere and sit down and be seen and not heard. And so obviously I took that into my professional 
career. And then I had to be in, I was in the military. I had to be heard. I definitely had to be heard um, because really couldn't stand out so much because we all looked alike. We were in the same thing. But then, so also being able to correct though, correct people, correct our peers, correct, even correct our superiors, as well as correcting our subordinates and being able to do it in a way that is definitely very professional, but it also gets our point across and holding firm to those standards. We're just talking in um, the other panel that I came from prior to this, and I was sharing an experience where I have um, a subordinate on my team, and she's extremely smart, but she's very, um, she's very anxious, and she's very ambitious, and she wants to prove you know, how smart she is, and it causes her to be unlikable, so she's popular for the wrong reasons. So her level of popularity, she's popular for the wrong reasons. It actually oftentimes overrides her competence. And for even me as her superior, I'm like, yeah, the work is good, but what it takes for me to get it, I don't even want it. Like, just can she go somewhere else? And that's not how you want to be seen either, because then your competence isn't coming across and it's not landing the way that you want it to land. And so the way I've tried to correct her is one, I've had to explain to her oftentimes that we are not negotiating. She's receiving instructions. Because sometimes things aren't open for negotiation because sometimes there's information that we don't have because it's not at our level to have that information. And so that decision is being made um, based on a long term something or short term something that we can't see that we're not privy to. But also um, being able to correct, correct her and doing it gracefully. So I had to give her some grace while she was under fire when I said that, you know, these are instructions but not negotiation. I explained to her that I don't have the time or the bandwidth for it to do the mentoring that she needs because she needs some one-on-one, -on -one, like under the arm kind of love. And I expressed to her that she should find a mentor because if she doesn't get a mentor to get to get a grasp and wrap their arms around her and help her wrap her arms around where her soft skills are killing her hard skills, that she's not going to succeed. And then, um, you know, personal presence, which we've talked about, having that, that personal presence and that voice that's speaking for you even before you open your mouth. When you walk into a room, that people know that you are there and there's just certain components of your brand that should be articulated before you ever open your mouth, before you ever speak, that just comes off of you like my scent. It should just be coming off of you that people know. You know, oh yeah, that's Juanita. And you never have to say a word. You could just walk through the room and then other people, those advocates that you have are solidifying and selling your brand. Yeah, and just one thing on top of that, with Executive Voice, what I have found is that when people get to know you, when you've already presented yourself and people know who you are, when you change the atmosphere, when you walk into a room, there can be discussions. People will wait to see what your response will be. And I have found that some of the most powerful and profound moments that I've had is my silence. I don't have to yell and scream in rejection of what's being shared, but even with the body language. We're all nice Southern girls. I always consider myself a Southern belle. But for those who know me from my family, my daughter in, in the community, oftentimes they can understand even with what I don't say. When you get a that is definitely sending a very clear message. So as women, we don't always have to We don't always have to do that. 
sometimes we can just simply, and it's understood. So think about even when you want to respond. And so when, when I also look at the executive voice, to me, and we've talked a little bit about it, um, it's really making sure that you are approachable <clears throat> and that those that you are coming in contact with, that you're drawing them in. Um, at the level that I am within the Army structure, there are many people within my workforce that, uh, due to the protocol that goes along with my job, aren't, aren't comfortable just walking up to me and having a conversation. But, but that's not who I am, right? That's a title. That's not who I am. But it's interesting because whenever I have a town hall with my workforce, I am at the door when they're walking in and I'm shaking their hand. And I introduce myself if they don't know me and they say their names and sometimes I'll ask a few questions if I have the time. But I learned that from one of my other senior leaders that I used to work for and I, I questioned him, I said, why do you do that? He says, well, because when you reach certain ranks, they really don't feel that they can contact you. They really don't feel that they can talk with you. But again, about walking the talk, you know, everything has to align, right? So if I'm walking in and I'm telling my workforce I have an open door policy, but you're one of those supervisors or someone that in the last session I was in, they had been their supervisor up the chain for 25 years and they'd never even seen them, didn't know anything about them. I can't be on both sides of that messaging, right? So when it comes to walking the talk, I've got to put myself out there to say, hey, I have an open door policy, and oh, by the way, when I'm gonna address the workforce, I'm gonna shake hands with you as you're walking in the door because I'm going to be consistent. And that's something that you'll learn as in public speaking, when you walk into a room, do those connections up front. Smile at someone, get an eye-to-eye -eye contact, right? Because then they become your advocate, right? Then you're aligning your walk with your talk. You're listening to Can You Hear Me Out There? The Power of Public Speaking, a professional development seminar featuring Juanita Christensen, Tamika Whiteside, and Shauna Sarson. Brought to you by the Women of Color STEM Conference. Uniting women in STEM by continuing the press for progress. Be sure to check out our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. I like that. And so um, we have to, you know, do what, what we call the microphone check. One, two, one, two. You know that song, microphone check. One, two, one, two. Um, but that is check, checking before you actually step up to start speaking. Uh, plan and practice. Um, I do a YouTube channel. I have a talk every Sunday. I do. And um, I always have the paper. I'm not married to it, but I have an outline to keep me on topic. But um, it's not about me. It's also about the audience that's supporting that show. So I have to definitely keep up with the comments and have to be able to go off if I need to, but also to get back in. But it also shows that I've planned, that I'm not just up there just, you know, oh, let's just talk today and I'm just talking about anything. And also tapping into your inner voice. Um, we all have an inner voice that's going on in our heads, or you should, and owning that inner voice because there's value there as well. And me often, I use my inner voice to actually keep myself on track, sometimes to actually check myself. 
to say, okay, um, use my inner voice as well as because I'm connecting with the audience. So my inner voice may say, hey, you need to lighten it up a little bit because you're a little bit monotone or you're boring and people are falling asleep or it's too serious. So lighten the mood a little bit. And that's using the inner voice and the timing. You know, there's a time to speak. There's definitely a time to listen, as you were saying. There's a time to lean back and leverage your silence because silence can be very loud, um, but also owning what that silence is saying. So it's always interesting for me to always do those, those self-microphone checks, to be prepared before um, I speak. And that's not just walking up to a podium to speak, but that's even walking into a room in the workplace because understanding that you're speaking before you ever speak. So microphone check, you know, is, is my hair right? Is this the hair that's going to represent the part of my brand that I want to represent today? Is the attire right for the part of my brand that I want to represent today? You know, is the scent right? You know, is the makeup even right? Because even with that, as women, we have to be conscious of that in the workplace. Um, we have to balance it. And it is, it's a delicate balancing act. And then plan to be, to be prepared. It's always important to be well prepared, but also to practice. I've shared that I talk to myself in the mirror. I actually listen to myself. I record myself because I had to become comfortable with my voice and the rise and inflection of it and the throatiness of it. And so I listen to myself and I have a book. And so I'm about to re record an audio book and going into a studio. So I had to learn how I sound because how I sound to my naked ear is not how I sound when I listen to my recorded voice. And just understanding and owning that and knowing when to add, you know, the little laughs. Because actually, if you talk to someone over the phone and you smile, it comes through. It actually comes through. So um, I think that's your micro. That's for me. That's what the microphone check is. You know, I remember the song when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. Microphone check. One, two, one, two. You know, but now I actually do it for myself. You know, microphone check. One, two, one, two. Am I ready? Am I prepared? Am I going to be able to connect with the audience? Am I going to be able to pull them in? to what the message is that we're trying to deliver. And am I delivering the message correctly? Because it's not about me. It's actually about the audience when we're up here doing the actual public speaking. I'll hit this one a little bit. So uh, what I wanted to say in this area is, is rehearsal. Rehearsal is so important. You've spent the time to, to get, to clarify your message. You've got the points you want to address. Rehearse. It's just as, as a session I said in earlier, Go and have a mock interview done. It's the same thing. You'll become more comfortable in it. If you rehearse the material, if you double checked and you, you do that rehearsing, then you're more comfortable and you're more relaxed when, when you're going to be in front of people. And then the other thing I would pull, and, and I stated uh, one of these points earlier, it is so important for us as women, especially women when we are in leadership positions and you see other women who are coming up in your workforce Give them opportunities to brief in a non-attribution environment. Give them a way where they can get feedback without it being criticism. Let them brief or present material in a small form before you send them to the wolves of the boardroom. Mm -hmm. Do you understand? Grow them, help them. So that's also part of rehearsal. And then the other thing I, was, I would say, when I think of the microphone check, not everyone is comfortable standing in one place behind a podium. You need to know who you are. Mm -hmm. And so like for me, when I'm usually public speaking, I like to be wired because I'm gonna move. I move my hands, I move my feet. Mm -hmm. 
you need to know who you are. And so you get to control sometimes that environment that you're going to publicly speak in. Some of us, we don't like to move. Some of us are more comfortable behind a podium. What you need is what you should request, especially when you're in a public, you're providing a public engagement. Because if you're more in control of it, you'll feel more comfortable with it. Absolutely. So I, I use for myself a plan and a practice action. So years ago, I made a decision before I leave home every single day. And, and some of you have heard me say this. Before I leave home and I cross the threshold every day, I scream. Not literally, right, thank you, because that's the response I normally get when I say that. No, I'm not standing at my front door. No, I'm not doing that. Scream actually is an acronym that I have. Now, what happens when we scream? We start to release an energy, whether we're screaming because we're happy, we're screaming because we're afraid, whatever that attribute is for you screaming that happens. And so for me, SCREAM is an acronym where I strategically create routines that empower and motivate. So that's my plan. Every single day, I have to have a plan in place. So my practice, I use example. I oversee our mock interviews where I work with Dress for Success. We have ladies that come to our campus and we take them through mock interviews. We have it all planned out. I'm over this, but one time, someone didn't show up for their session. And so we had an interviewer there just waiting because the person didn't show. So I said, interview me. Really? Yes, because you have to always work on your skills. I said, give me 10 minutes, run over to the other building, grab my resume and come back. And I went through that mock interview process. Number one, when you haven't interviewed for a long time, you're kind of comfortable in your role. You don't think about these things, but you have to always plan and you have to practice. So whatever you're going to do, put your plan into action. Practice it. I'm like Shauna. I talk to myself and I will say one of my master's degrees is in public administration and one is in professional counseling. I will tell you from the counselor side, you're not crazy if you answer yourself. <laughs> because sometimes I answer myself as I am going through and I'm talking to myself and I'm trying to center myself and listening to my inner voice. Sometimes my inner voice is going to say, pump your brakes. So that's actually me answering myself because when you start to think about what you're about to walk into, what you're about to do. It is that internal microphone check. It is that inner voice that says to you whether you should approach things the way that you have it in your head. It's the same thing when we're communicating in writing. There are times that I will rewrite an email four times because there's a tone. We as women, we have an ability to communicate with a tone. Whether that tone is saying to the, the recipient, you're being too passive, too aggressive, too shy, too whatever. You have to understand and you find that balance in your inner voice. So what is your inner voice saying to you? I find 
that if I take some time every day, I specifically, I get home from work and I take 30 minutes. I sit down and I listen to my inner voice. Because remember, I left that morning, I screamed before I walked out the door. So I'm reflecting. How, how is that? How, how did my strategy for the day come across? Start thinking about some of those interactions that you had. You may have tried to communicate something with someone and they didn't receive it the way you intended. What do we do? It's not wise to leave it undone. Go back and fix it. Whether you didn't present strong enough, whether you presented too strong, people will respect your voice and your executive decision. They will know that you're grounded. So you have to be grounded within yourself. So the last slide uh, that, that we wanted to wrap up with is really just uh, do you hear me now? So we've given you some, some techniques. We've, we've talked to you about some life experiences we've had. But at the end of the day, you have a responsibility to speak up. You have a responsibility to speak you. So uh, one of the things I look at in a, um, in a presentation is that when it comes to being you, you are unique. You bring unique perspectives to the table. You bring unique experience to the table. And it's you is who they're really wanting to hear from. So your messaging really still has to be surrounded by the message of who you are when you're conveying it. So yes, you look up to people, you see mentors, you see different styles, but at the end of the day, in order for you to be comfortable in presenting publicly, you need to be you. You need to present it in a way that you are comfortable and you can get your message across. And when you're being comfortable, you have to be authentic and you have to be honest with yourself about who you really are. And I know for myself, as I said, I have 30 plus first cousins and I'm the youngest child. So I had to make sure I learned very quickly how to have my voice heard. And it's not always my audible voice but sometimes it's my presence. So walking into a room full of men, oftentimes being the only woman in the room, oftentimes being the only woman of color in the room, that for some people can be intimidating. And I can't say that I've always been comfortable with it, but I've always been me. When I started at NetApp, one of the very first times going into a staff meeting where there were staff members that had come from other locations. We hadn't met. We'd had conversations over the phone. So they, they didn't necessarily know who I was. But to see me prance into the conference room and how dare I sit my tail down at the head of the table. As a woman, as a woman of color, as someone who has had to insert herself in places, you have to make your, your presence known. So sometimes you have to challenge what the norms are. We've all heard of the good old boys network. Well, you'll never get in the network, you'll never get in the know if you don't start to insert yourself into some places. And so there was this look in the room, who is this and why is she at the head of the table? not realizing, and then when, when my boss came in 
and he sat down next to me. Now they were completely confused. But it was because as women, a lot of times we sit along the wall, we'll sit in the back, and we're just trying to disappear. I don't want to disappear. We shouldn't want to disappear. Deep down inside, we want to have that next opportunity. We want to have that next promotion. We want to have that next project, whatever it is. We want that next, but we won't get the next if we're invisible. We have to stop being invisible. Sometimes we have to mix it up a little bit. Come to the forefront. Put yourself in a place that you're not necessarily going to be comfortable doing it, but if you do it over and over and over again, not that you're comfortable, but you're confident. There's a difference. You can be confident in some things and not necessarily be comfortable. But you can't let everybody know that you're uncomfortable. But when you're confident in what you're presenting, when you're confident in what you're going to do, then it starts to exude who you are. So we talked about the branding. We talked about our influence, all of these different things. What is that going to do for you? It's going to get you that next opportunity, whatever that opportunity is, whether it's in your community, on your job, whatever you're striving for. But those are, those are the things that you really need to consider. So we've, we've gone over, and I'm not going to go to the next chart. The next chart just simply goes back over the agenda. But we've gone over those topics. We've discussed some life experiences. But now we want to open it up to those who may have questions. Please feel free to, to address those, and, and we'll try to answer those. But please, yes, use the mic because they're being recorded. Thank you so much. Hi. Hi. My, my name is Tasha Padgett, and I'm actually an IT manager over a whole township. So one of the things I have kind of struggled with a little bit throughout my career is speaking. And one of the things, I guess the main problem has been, I have had some of my executives actually tell me I need to go to a class for speaking as a second language at one point. Yes. So, what do you recommend for if you're in that type of work environment and you're getting a lot of negativity? Because on one hand, I may get someone saying, oh, you need to go do that because I don't understand anything that you're saying. Um, you can never be um, hired in a certain position. But then on the other hand, I'm getting called for speaking positions all the time. And I'm like, I'm just not understanding what the issue is. Not. I always thought that maybe it was just a little bit of bias because maybe they just didn't like the position that I was in because I'm a professor as well as I'm over a whole township. I've always, I've had a lot of positions where I speak all the time. But in this one job, I think it kind of like did a punch to my um, confidence level because when I actually had someone tell me, oh, you need to go to a class to, for speaking as a second language, English as a second language because we can't understand anything that you say when you go up to speak. So what would you recommend to someone who's getting that type of negative feedback? I think we're going to tag team to answer this. So the first thing that came to mind for me in that regard is that you have to have your power move. And when I say power move, I'm telling you, there are things that you need to do as women so, yes, there are times that I am standing in the mirror in my Wonder Woman stance because it starts to change things inside of you. And when I say I put on my Wonder Woman stance, 
that means, I mean, if you all remember the back in the day, I was looking at her. She's one way one minute, but as soon as she starts to spin around, she turns into Wonder Woman and all of these things that are coming towards her. She's able to fend off those things. So when you have someone in your situation saying to you, you need to take uh, English as a, a second language, I think you should approach them in a one-on-one -on -one to understand from them, are they speaking from a perspective that they may not understand your dialect? I mean, I'm, I'm from the South, so I know I have a Southern draw. Is that what the challenge is? Or are they trying to say something else? If they are saying something else, then that sounds like more of a personal issue. So from, my, from my experience, it was a little bit of both. So I think just because of the position I was in, the crowd that had to report to me really didn't want to report to me. If I was someone else, they would have been happy reporting to that individual. And any way that they can find some kind of fault in me, they tried to find it. Um, just to let you know, that didn't deter me from having a position. I held that position for six years. And pretty much those individuals that were so against me, they're now calling me to write recommendations so they can get other jobs because they no longer work for me after like two years because I've, I was in a position where if you weren't for me, you better be on your game because you won't be working for me. And they knew that. So the flip side was I did go out and start taking more speaking classes and different things um, to speak more in front of people so that I could become more comfortable. But I'm not going to lie. It, did, it was a big blow to my ego because it wasn't done in the most professional manner all the time. I think it was more of just trying to any kind of way they could, they would try to tear me down. Like I could be in a venue like this speaking and they would get up, is it possible that we can get a whole transcript of everything you just presented because I didn't understand anything you just said. So, so one, I will congratulate you that you did not let that deter you who you were. You also took steps to improve yourself. If you felt the need to take additional speaking or presentation classes, there is nothing wrong with that. You know, even when I was in college, I tutored and I was a tutor. I mean, I, I, you know, I tutored people and I was a tutee, all right? So it does not hurt to get help. But I will also say that as women, we do not have to accept what someone else's view is, okay? You establish who you are and who you want to be. And in some cases, and I will be honest, in some cases, if it's an IT discussion, it could be the way that the material is being presented that sometimes it can go over a person's head. And rather than them recognize their own lack of knowledge, they want to have you own it. And, and, you, don't have, and you don't have to own that. Absolutely. And just to wrap on, on that question for you, let me share with you my personal thoughts, and I, I've put this on social media. It is not my responsibility to take ownership of your insecurities. So that's a good one to write down. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Sorry, I was taking that 
quote down. (laughs) (laughs) So I have um, a little bit of a two-part question that's also (laughs) kind of a follow-on to the previous question. So I um, am a Southern Belle as well. I am from Birmingham, Alabama. I grew up in the hood, and I also went to Howard University in Washington, D.C. One of the things that um, I learned while I was in college is that oftentimes people equate Southern to ignorance. Yes. Especially when you're Southern and you're ghetto, right? And sometimes my Southern drawl will come out, but some of my Ebonics will as well. So what my question is, is one, I'll back up a little bit, and I'm sorry if I'll be a little bit long-winded, but sometimes because knowing that, I feel that I can be a little bit insecure about my own drawl, which makes me uncomfortable at times speaking in public. I speak in public often, um, and I even get the same compliments, oh, you speak so well, and I get that all the time, even this weekend, I might add. Um, so it, I still have the, the, the insecurities inside of me of, oh, like, what do they think? Or, oh, what do I sound like? Mm-hmm. So my question is, how do we overcome those types of um, insecurities that we may have inside of ourselves, whether it's due to our accent or even language barriers? And then also, we talked a lot about attitude and altitude. And I'm recently in more of a leadership position and trying to, uh, I guess, like truly finding myself in my career. And I feel like I've been having to be more strong in like who I am and having to stand up and be like, no, like you're going to respect me. This is how you're going to interact with me. Um, but where do you draw the line of conformance? Oftentimes, we have conversations as women and minorities about, I need to dress this way so they don't look at me in a sexual manner. I need to speak this way so they don't think I'm ghetto. Or I need to do this and do this in order for them to see me as this way. But I feel in doing that, oftentimes, we have to conform into this image of what other people want us to be as much as we say we're being ourselves. We're still trying to fit in so that other people feel comfortable, even if we are doing it subconsciously. So where do we draw that line to say, it's okay if I speak Ebonics. It's okay, as long as I'm professional, right? It's okay if I have these things and I don't have to always change who I am or how I dress or essentially what I am, just so that you can feel comfortable about me being in your so let me start, and because I'm not sure exactly if we will have the same opinion. So, uh, but I, I want to address several topics that you brought up. One, I was born and raised in East St. Louis, Illinois. You can't be more hood than that. I, I'm just going to be upfront and honest. I live right? in St. Louis too. <laughs> okay, so that that is where I was born and raised. If I would have allowed that environment to dictate who I would be, I would not be where I am. All right. My mother always told me, do not let your environment define who you are. Secondly, when, you, when it comes to conformance, all right, th- there is a fine line. If, it, it's, it's like the adage, if you want to have friends, 
you have to be friendly, right? If you want a leadership position and you want to be respected and you want to be seen as a professional, then you need to behave professionally. But the I, question I, becomes, who determines what's professional? No, you know? no, 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 no. And I understand that. I truly do. But, but I will also tell you, if you go into your workplace and all of your speech is based on abonics and slang, it is going to impact you. That is reality. That's perception and reality. You have an intelligence, you have a competence, but they can't see past the barrier. They, they can't see past it. Now, I'm not saying dress to meet some quota. I think all of you all are dressed very you and very professionally. Everyone will, will need to find that place. But there are some things that I don't believe are appropriate in the workforce. And, and now I said she may have a different opinion of that. But I think if you are wanting to excel and move forward, I don't see where Ebonics has a play in that. I, I really don't. Okay, and, and that's my opinion, and I'm just gonna communicate that to you. Because you will be judged by the words you use. You will be judged by the dress of your clothes. It's, it happens. There are, there are white males that can come into a room dressed inappropriately, and they are also judged. For example, we have some that want to wear the long hair and the ponytails. They're, they're never going to reach to certain ranks. That's just a part of reality, right? But I, to me, I feel, I believe that if I state it to you, oh, that's acceptable, just be you, I, I think I would be giving you improper guidance. So I think you have to determine what do you want to be. I think there's a time and place for your slang if you want, if you want to use it and your ebonics. I don't believe the workforce is that place. I just don't. Now, relative to conformance, I don't believe you need to conform to anything. I think you need to just determine who you want to be. I agree. There's a time and a place for everything. And what we present in different arenas will determine where we're going in those arenas. You ask, where do you draw the line? That is based upon your own value system, how far you're willing to go in order to be accepted, if you will, into the work environment. And so the way you communicate oftentimes will be and almost should be different based on the environment. The way I communicate in the office is not the way that I communicate with my family because I'm not going to give my, my parents a whole briefing on what I, I'm doing. I mean, it's just not effective. So, and then I want you to also think about this. I understand what you're, you're saying that you grew up in the hood, but that's not, I don't believe that ghetto is where you're from. I believe it's very much a mentality. And so, as I would say, and you are, and I'm being very transparent now, the way that I communicate in, in the office setting is not the way I kick it with my girls. Because they all gonna say. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> and, and that's just what you have to do. 
as far as because it can go into a whole different realm of things when we start talking about attire and things like that. I work in an environment, especially, in, and the floor that I work on is also near technical support. So they're on the phones all day. These folk walk in the office with raggedy jeans, shorts, flip-flops, t-shirts, all kinds of things. I would never do that, regardless. There's some things I'm just not gonna cross the threshold of my home that will ever be displayed in public, even though I see some of those. So you just have to think about your own value system where only your internal voice will tell you how far you're willing to go where you, you have to draw the line. I hope that helps. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you ladies for the conversation, really great. I missed your screen acronym. Can you, can you? Um, Absolutely. Yes, thank you. It is We've strategically creating routines that empower and motivate. Thank you for that. And it's coming to some gear real soon, so you all be oh. on the lookout. <laughs> I, I have also a comment, something that I, that's been on my mind, so it's more of a comment. You know, culturally, for some of us, you're raised where you are to be seen and not heard. Okay. And if you grow up like that, so let's say from the age of one to 18, and then your parents expect you to get out of the house, go find a job, make money to pay for your rent. Now, how do you supposed to automatically know how to negotiate after you've only seen and not heard. In my mind, that should happen in the home. And I just want to, I don't know, I guess motivate other parents if you're going to become a mom. Start the dialogue and give your children that freedom to speak and learn how to negotiate. Because you can't just do it at 18 and then go out and expect to make a living. It, it has to start young. And I understand, just culturally for me, it was a very strict upbringing. Um, and I've learned along the way different things, certain teachers or what have you, but that seen and not heard has impacted a lot of us generationally, um, the men and women um, in my culture. And it's hard. You, you, you're behind the eight ball, so to speak, when you get out into the workforce. And it, it goes with you, and it takes us a long time to recover. So that was my comment. So with that, I agree. There's a lot of, in our culture, be seen and not heard. But I also think that at some point we have to realize that some will plant and some will water. Sure. And so if we've gotten to a place, we need to start reaching back into the community and we need to start cultivating some of these erroneous things. And I don't want to speak ill against what our parents and our grandparents, because these are things that just continuously get passed down. But as we have become more educated, and we've been exposed to more things. I think we have a, a responsibility to reach out and to be able to help cultivate and train these young men and these young women how to, as I call it, turn it off, turn it on. You have to be able to flip the switch and start to move in a different direction. Absolutely, and I think that, like you're saying, it comes through exposure. If you have to be exposed to it to even know that there's a difference. Yeah. So I thank you for all your comments. But, but as leaders, we still have a responsibility to, as, as I say, lift as you climb. And sometimes we have to go back 
into maybe sometimes the school systems and give them other ways to view. There are some, my husband likes to say, you know, you're a unicorn or he's in a room full of unicorns because you're not supposed to even exist. Mm -hmm. And some of our youth, they don't even know that we exist because they may not be coming into these forums. So I believe it is our responsibility to step back into those educational systems, into the church, let them know that we exist, open their eyes to maybe what is possible, and then maybe the question becomes, okay, culturally I'm told, be seen and not heard. Okay, I understand if that's the way you want me to be at home, but I I've seen another way. And then seek out mentorship when, those ha when that happens. Enjoyed you, ladies. I do have a question. Oftentimes, I'm in discussions, even over phone or in a conference meeting, and I'll make a statement. And there seems to always be someone who who wants to interpret what I just said. Um, and and they'll 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 say, well, she meant such and such. And I'm saying, isn't that what I just said? How, and it could be the way I stated it, but sometimes they will even say it exactly like I just stated it. But coming from me, someone just feels like they had to interpret what I just said. How do you navigate that type of interaction? So, that, that can be the tomato-tomato situation. It's not comfortable. Um, it, it can be taken as condescending when that happens. And so with that being the situation, you have to be mindful. Um, sometimes you have to be a little direct. And I've had that situation, and I've had someone come behind me and, to say, well, what she meant was, and I politely said, with all due respect, bless your heart, what I meant was what I said. We just have to deal with it. Okay. And, then we just and I think this will be our, our last question yeah. because yeah, we're down so to we the two minutes. Yeah. And I, I don't really just have a question. I, just, I know you said come to the mic because I wanted to kind of add to the conversation. Um, one of the things I think when I'm hearing everybody talking, I'm like, we got so many different things that are coming at us. And I've learned along the way, just listening to different people, is We've got to make decisions before it's time to make the decision. So you have to know where you're going to stand when it's time to stand. So in your situation where you're in a situation where this is how I am, then you need to be in an environment that allows you to be that way and already make a decision. If, if they constrain me, I need to go. Um, or am I going to stay and, be, and, and take on what it takes? One of the things my pastor always says, you know, be prepared so that when it's, if you're going to say no to something, already know that. So when they come to you, don't you don't have to try to figure it out. No, this is where I stand. This is how I feel, and I'm okay with whatever that comes with that. Um, the example, another situation I just heard from my um, president of my of my company, of well, not the company of my department, um, and she's a, a little short white lady. She said that um, she was giving us career advice, and she said you have to know that sometimes you're going to get feedback that you don't agree with, but you have to decide: Am I going to change, or is that just who I am? And she said she was told that she was too approachable, that she had a uh, she needed to increase her vocabulary, and there was one more thing I can't remember those two. And she said, "Okay, well, I'm a little old country white girl. I'm not. I'm going to change, increase my vocabulary, but I'm probably always going to come across a certain way. 
Um, I like what I do and I do other, so I'm probably always going to come across uh, too approachable. And she just continued to do what she was doing. She is now running billion dollar contracts. And she said she just recently went through another um, evaluation because the company has doing it and they told her, you're too approachable. You, have, you need to increase your vocabulary. She said, but you know what? I heard it. She said it hurt the first time because she said she got all kind of good checks and those three things and those three things are stuck with her. But she said, but this is who I am. And if I'm going to be successful, this is how I'm going to be successful. Mm -hmm. So that's why I just wanted to kind of add to the conversation because sometimes we just have to know this is how I'm going to be when I'm successful. And when I come into the room, this is what comes with me. And sometimes this may not be my room. Absolutely. Thank you. Our time is up, but we have enjoyed being with you ladies. And we hope that we shared something that's of value to each of you and much success to you. Thank you, ladies. Thank you for listening to Can You Hear Me Out There? The Power of Public Speaking, a professional development seminar featuring Director of the U.S. Army Combat Capabilities Development Command, Juanita Christensen, Project Manager for NetApp Incorporated, Tamika Whiteside, and CEO of Sarsons LLC, Shauna Sarson. If you have enjoyed this presentation, be sure to attend the Women of Color STEM Conference. For more information on how you, your company, or organization can take part, visit www www.womenofcolor.net For college students, contact us at 410-244-7101.